All right, well, with absolute joy in my father's heart today, I get to welcome someone who feels a little bit like one of my sons um, to the pulpit. It's Bernie's first time preaching with us, and um, we've worked a, a long journey of restoration. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> of just getting to know Burns and Prisca um, and watching them navigate their dating, their university, their first jobs, their marriage, their um, coming children, um, <laughs> all of those things. But Burn, come on up to the pulpit. I want to pray for you. Um, we're excited to have you here today. Father, thank you for my friend and this man. Thank you for the work that you've been doing in him, that you are doing in him. Thank you, Father, for not just burn, but a, a rising up of young men and women in our midst to love your word, who are gifted to teach your word, who are in the early phases of learning how to apply your word into a congregation's life, Lord. And we look forward with such joy and with hope in our hearts at what you're going to do in and through the young men and women in our congregation. As Bernie preaches this morning, with the Spirit flow through him. Let his words be your words, Lord. As he unpacks your scripture, Father, would it come to life and spark in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we bless you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Soundcheck, are we coming through? Cool, thank you. Morning, One Hope. It's so cool to be up front with you and... Um, to speak to you. I'm, I'm very stoked about that. It's such a privilege. Uh, my name is Bernard, as Paul said, and I'm married to Prisca. I was doing the Kidsman announcement. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Really love my wife. Um, so, marriage course. Yeah, we actually did that. It was really great. I would re highly recommend that. Um, it was really good for just good discussions. So, um, this morning we're going to look into Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to read a, a fair bit of it, just because it really helps to us to see context. After reading the scripture, we're going to pause for a moment and just chat about what stood out to you. That's, that's the question, so I just want to have that in, in mind already as we read it through. Um, but uh, first, let's read it through. We're going to read from, from verse 1 up till about uh, verse 16. So if you would turn or scroll with me or look on the screen, uh, and we're reading from the English Standard Version. Right, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, He ascended on high. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying, He ascended, what does it mean but that he, also, that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Right, so I just want to ask you, wherever you are, if you're on your own, just uh, maybe read it through, think about it, or if you're in your group, just break up in little groups of, of, of two or three or four and just say just what stood out to you. Just very simple, if it's something new maybe you've never noticed or it's something that happened in your life this week, and you're like, wow, this really was applicable to me. Right, let's go for it. Thanks for, for that. I hope you, you had some some cool insights there of, of things you haven't noticed. I think it's so great to read scripture together and talk about it together. I think we, we see a lot more when, I, when we do that. Um, I just want to quickly walk through this text. It's quite a long passage and it's just helpful to just orientate us because you kind of just jump in here and you're like, whoa, what's, what's happening here? So I'm just going to, as, as it's shown through on the, on the screen, just to kind of orientate us where Paul's going with his whole argument within the book of Ephesians. So in chapter 1 to 3, he's been talking a lot about identity and, and being called um, and, and that there was this Jews and Gentiles and they seemed irreconcil- irreconcilable, but God reconciled them through Christ. And that's this mystery that was hidden uh, for ages past that's now been revealed. And then he's starting to change gears when he goes from transitioning from chapter 3 to chapter 4 and he starts becoming practical. Um, and, and that's where we're jumping in in, in chapter 4. Um, so he starts off and he, and he, and he, and he says, you've been called to, these, to live out, to walk out these particular qualities um, of, of humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, maintaining a unity that's already there. And then he starts going off on a little bit of background. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Actually, we need to talk a little bit more about some identity stuff here uh, because this is important because he realizes, you know, there's diversity in church and yet there's unity. So, you know, he needs to just take a step back and, and explain this a little bit more further before he carries on with more detailed instructions. So he talks there about unity and we see all the one, one, one. Uh, and then he kind of changes gear in, in, in verse seven and saying to each, each one of us uh, and, and brings it in a little bit more personal um, then, he, then there's this, this funny little interlude from verse 8 to about verse 10 where, he, where he's quoting from Psalm 68. And it kind of is a little bit like, what? Well, wait, I'm, I'm losing you on the flow here of the text. But Paul put that in there for a good reason. And we'll look at that, that just now. Um, and then he carries on and, and talks about uh, specific gifts and roles in the church and um, kind of what the whole goal is, why these gifts exist. Uh, so for the unity of faith and for mature manhood. Uh, and, and the point of that is for people not to be tossed to and fro um, by, by deceitful schemes. And, and again, the point is for the whole body to be built up as we ca- carry on to verse 15 and 16, uh, so that it might build itself up in love. So I hope that's helpful. That's just a little overview of the text. We're going to look in more detail uh, from, from about verse, verse 7 uh, to verse 13. Um, and last week, uh, Bass chatted to us about uh, biscuits <laughs> and how there's variety in the church and that you don't just want lemon creams. You want, you know, if you're going to get a box of biscuits, it's nice to have a whole variety. It, it, it makes it, you know, a nice complete set. Um, so there, there's variety within church, yet we are united as, as one church. But we're going to dive in from verse 7, and this is where, where uh, Paul shifts a bit. You see there's, a, there's a, a, a but there. He says, you know, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Uh, and, and he's changing here and, and talking there is an individual that's important here. So to understand this well, we actually need to look at a, a parallel text. 
from the, uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, so we'll, we'll just quickly go there. So I'm going to read for us from verse 12 to, to 13. Um, for just as the body is one, and as many members. Now, just that word members, and it's, it's maybe a bit obvious, but members kind of refers, to, or it does refer to a body part. It's become, oh, you're just a member of a social club or uh, this and that organization or your staff member. But it's a body part. And the reason why I pointed out is just because it's attached. Um, it's, it's all part of one, um, one organism. So let's, let's give that another go. For just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and were all made to drink of one spirit. You see the parallels there? There's a whole bunch of uh, ones popping out. There's Jews and Greeks, which we've seen throughout, throughout Ephesians. Um, and there's this idea of, of, of oneness and yet variety. Um, so that's a helpful text for us, us to look at. Then he carries on, and, and it's not in the slides, but uh, he, he, says, he talks about that there, there could be a, a foot in the church, you know, and this person, you know, is a member, and it's a foot. But he's saying, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of this, you know, and, and the foot doesn't want to be part of this. But actually, you know, that foot is part of it, and, and we need that foot. And it's kind of like someone saying, um, you know, I, he, has a, he or she has a desire to lead worship, you know, to sing, to sing in church, but... Um, and, you know, really, really wants that, but, but just maybe doesn't have that natural talent. But in fact, God's given them a voice, but not necessarily for singing, but for, for reaching others and for, for stepping out, for being a foot. So, we, uh, you know, we, we need you, Mr. Foot. Like, <laughs> you're an integral part of this. <laughs> we, we, need, we need the foot as, as part of the body. So then if we, if we carry on uh, right at the, uh, or further down that text, he, he just thought, at verse 27, he says this, Now you are members, uh, sorry, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, if it wasn't clear enough already. Um, and then he goes on to list a couple of gifts. I'm just going to read through them briefly. Uh, let's not get hung up on, on exactly what they, what they mean or refer to, but it's important for, for our text for today. So it says, And God has anointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So we'll just keep back in, in, the, in the back of our, in our head for now. So let's go back to our Ephesians text um, in uh, chapter 4. Verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So God's given us grace, and grace is unmerited favor. So we know God's giving us something good here. Um, and he's helping us to be the body that he wants us to be. And we'll see more of that a little bit, a little bit later on. So uh, carrying on in verse, verse 8 to 10, he says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So the first thing we need to ask here, so as we're getting into this text and trying to figure out, well, what exactly is this little interlude for? So we need to ask, what's the therefore there for? Now there's the therefore, you know, so we need to ask, what's it there for? What's it pointing back to? <laughs> And if you see the, the two words before that, it says Christ's gift. And I think that's, that's what it refers to in, in kind of in two ways. The first, it's Christ. And second, it's Christ's gift. So 
to, and to, to understand this, we need to look at Psalm 68. Obviously, that's where it's, where it's quoted from. And Psalm 68 is a, a psalm of, of triumph. God is triumphing over his enemies. He's protecting his people, Israel, and, and he's dwelling with them. And, and he, he cares for the orphan and the widow, it says there. And God also goes and fights their wars and he's victorious over the enemies. It's also, interestingly enough, a psalm that, that has some Gentile inclusion, the, the, the non-Israelites. And as we see that in, in, in Ephesians, it's got that in there. So it's, a, it's an appropriate psalm for, for Paul to quote from. So more, a little bit in detail of this verse, it's kind of this, this uh, there's a war, you know, you can see, or, or a, a war that's been won, and there's, there's captives, and, um, you know, Jesus has, has been ascended uh, above all. And, and I think what's, what's, maybe it's a bit obvious, but the, the important thing to point out here is that this is an Old Testament scripture talking about God. But here Paul is applying it to Jesus, and it's a simple point, but it's just Jesus is divine. And he's saying Christ has fulfilled this, this scripture. And the second we look at is, is Christ's gift. And, and this is uh, telling us why does, does Christ have the authority to give us these gifts? What, what puts him in the position to be able to do that? And, and I think the, the best way to think of it is like a, like a commander or a king going out to battle. And, and he goes and he takes his army and he, and he fights this war and he wins the war. And then there's the spoils of the war. There, there's the loot. And, and who gets to distribute that? Well, it's the king. He's the one who, who gets to distribute these gifts among his people. So looking again back at that quotation, he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. I think one thing we need to talk about is we need to figure out what does the captives mean? Um, it's, a, it's an important question to talk about. Or what, or who are these people that have been captured? And I think there's two ways you can go with this. There's, uh, and I think they're both uh, theologically sound and, and good doctrine, so we'll briefly look at both of them. The one way you can go with the captives is that they're spiritual forces and powers, um, powers of, of evil, um, and that, that Christ has conquered them, that he descended, you know, kind of almost below the earth and, and conquered these forces of evil. And we see that. The reason why I think that, that could be here is because we see it in Ephesians several times. In chapter 1, verse 21, in, in chapter 3, verse 10, chapter 6, verse 12, he, he refers to Christ being seated above all powers and authorities and dominions. So it's, it's applicable in our text. And, but you might be thinking like, like, okay, cool, but, you know, in the Western world we don't see a lot of this. But I think it's really relevant. I think it's encouraging to us that our leader, our king, um, he's conquered. He's conquered over evil. And so evil can't overcome us because Christ has conquered evil. And that's encouraging. That's the one we follow. Like, he, he is there and, and he's seated and, and we can follow him. The second way to look at it is, is, is if we read a little bit more in, in Psalm 68, uh, it's, it's from verse 18. Um, there you could take the position that we are the captives, uh, that we have, have been captured. And so we'll have to read it uh, from the from the actual psalm, and you'll see there's a, the wording is slightly different um, from what, what Paul reads. Paul reads, um, and he gave gifts to men. Uh, and in the, in the psalm, if you read directly, it says, you know, and receiving gifts among men. But I don't want to go into that, that little rabbit hole there, but uh, what Paul is doing is, is good. It, if you look at the, the, the comments, say, you know, if you look at the, the original language, it, it checks out. He's allowed to do that. But, it, but also in, in the Ephesians, he's kind of interpreting uh, more than just having a direct quotation. So he's applying it to a New Testament context. Anyway, that aside, um, let, let's read it quickly. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. There's even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. So that's like, 
is that what's happening here? Is there, are there these rebels, you know, and that God's taking them captive and he's dwelling with them? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I think, you know, if you're this conquering king and you're going out to war to defeat an enemy, you're going to crush them or enslave them, you know? It, it's, uh, you're not going to be nice to them, you know? And that, I think it's crazy, but it's the gospel. Uh, it's, it's powerful. That's Romans 5 verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And verse 10 says that while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God. So in a sense, we could say that God's taken us captive, uh, that we were rebellious people running away from God. There's that, um, that metaphor that's often told. It's like, the, uh, you know, we're on the one side of this deep chasm and, and God's on the other side and we're trying to get to God, you know, and then, and then you know, the, the cross came in between this chasm and reconciled us. And, and that's true, you know, the cross did come and reconcile us. But we weren't trying to get to God. We were running, like, as far as we can, you know. God, I'm okay. Like, I can do this life. Like, I've got this down. I, I know my story. Um, but God had to come and capture us um, that we may be reconciled. And it's for our own good. So, and we see in Ephesians 2, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive. You know, a dead person can't raise himself. Um, he made us alive in Christ. So I just want to stop there for a moment and, and tell you that Jesus loves you, and he's calling you, and he's calling you to his church. Uh, whether you're a believer or not a believer, he's calling you to be part of this community uh, and to be part of a much bigger plan than just our own lives and, and, and our own little story. There's a much bigger story happening um, than just us. So he's calling you to come and follow. Come and follow the king cries. Our victorious king is calling you. Let's carry on back to with, uh, verse 9 and 10 of Ephesians 4. In saying uh, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And again, yeah, we have to look at a cross-reference in chapter 1, verse 20 to 23, and you'll again see some very cool parallels. So let's look at that quickly. So halfway into verse 20, it reads, He raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. See, there's the heavenly. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. There's those spiritual forces. And above every name that is named, that, only in this, that not, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you get that at the end there? There's a, there's a Christ, uh, you know, through his body is the fullness of him who fills all in all. And in our, our text in Ephesians 4, it says he, he ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So what's Paul saying? He's saying the church is the plan. The church is the plan for, uh, it's, and it's a much grander and bigger plan. Uh, we are Christ's body through which he wants to fill all things. This is not just a church to you know, come and feel good or, or you know, even really good things about church, about being together. But there's a much bigger plan even than that. Um, it's to fill all things. And it gives such purpose to church and to, and to being part of God's community. It's a grand design. It's not just a besides, you know, it's kind of something that's happening. Um, this is a grand design of God and it gives such purpose um, to the church. Let's carry on with um, chapter 4, verse uh, 11 to 14. I'll read for us. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we need to briefly just talk about those gifts Paul mentions, and, and that's what I was saying earlier about the, the list in, in 1 Corinthians is different to this list. There is some overlap. But why is Paul listing these particular, particular gifts? Uh, and he, he's trying to point something out. And, and if you look at it closely, and, and, and I, th- I believe Paul is planning to speak on this in a future week, so more detail on what these roles mean. Um, next week, next week Paul's speaking on it. But just to briefly say that they're all, in a sense, teaching roles. They all teach us about God and about, about, about healthy theology and doctrine. And why is that? Well, it's, it's, it's further down the text. It's so that we may no longer be tossed you know, a, a to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. So, so Paul's, Apostle Paul is highlighting that there's these gifts given to the church so that we may not be deceived and they may have healthy doctrine. So just looking in the text itself, why are these gifts given? They're, they're given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So God wants to build up his body. And this is amazing. This is amazing. And I think something I never noticed before, if you, if you go to Ephesians 5, you may have heard it read at weddings, and we'll go there quickly. Um, but, but God is building up his church and is loving his church by that. So Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, to, uh, reads as follows, 25 to, to 30. Husbands, love your wives. And, and sorry, while I read this, I think we often think about the marriage metaphor here, which is important. But I want you to notice specifically what he's saying about Christ and the church and that relationship um, as, as we're thinking about the church and the body. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body that little section at the end there is just amazing that Christ nourishes and cherishes you know just as Christ does the church because we're members of his body. I think that's beautiful. That's, that's God really caring and nourishing his church. And I, and I think it's like, like an athlete if they're, they're training for, uh, for the Olympics. You, know, you, you need to take in good food. It doesn't help to eat McDonald's every day and training hard. You, know? you need good nourishment. And, and this is God nourishing his body through these gifted people. There's these teaching gifts given to nourish us, to nourish us as a body for the church. And it's amazing. It's, it's so beautiful for me how, how God is very practically loving his church. As you, you read that, that Ephesians 5 passage, and you're like, okay, sure. But here you can see it very practically. God is nourishing us because he cherishes uh, his church. So um, carrying on with that, um, that section there uh, from uh, 11 to 13, he gave all these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood through the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, just back on that Ephesians 5 section, I think sometimes guys are like, oh, you know, the church is the bride of Christ, but he is the male one as well. It's uh, <laughs> male and female. Here it's mature manhood, so if, you, if that was ever confused you, don't worry, it's okay. <laughs> so the, the goal of this, so, so what's Paul saying? The, the goal here that, that needs to be achieved, the goal is that, that uh, Christ wants his body to be built up 
and built up to mature manhood. So that's why I call it this is Christ the bodybuilder. He, he's, he's building his church, you know, but, it, but it, it's also, I mean, it's, it's a pun. And it's also like a, a bodybuilder who's strong and, and, and you know, uh, standing up straight, uh, like a fully grown man uh, in, in full stature. Uh, that's what Christ wants us to look like, to look, to, to look like him, to look like Christ. So that's the goal. And then what does it look like? What, like how kind of more measurable goals, I suppose. And that's there that, that, that until we all attain to the unity of the faith, which, which Beth spoke about last week, we, we're all united in our faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God, which is Jesus. So to, to know God and know him deeply and thoroughly. And, and, and that's, that's what it looks like when we are mature uh, as a body. And then we're going to talk about, well, how is this achieved? And this is where the tacky is the tar. Um, how, how is this going to happen? And he talks about that, that he gave all these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up for the body of Christ. And there is, it's the saints who are building up the body of Christ. That, that, don't let that comma throw you off there. It's the saints uh, who are equipped for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. But when you hear the word ministry, maybe you think of, of a pastor or, um, you know, my wife doing kids' you're like, that's ministry, you know, or someone who's in full-time ministry or missionary. But the word ministry means serving. Uh, and it applies to, to all the saints, to, to all of us uh, uh, who are Christians, that you're, you're called to serve. Uh, that's what it means. And so just to give some practical handles on that, um, what, could that what could that look like if you wanted to apply this? Well, I think the first way is through prayer. Um, it's, it's maybe, um, doesn't seem, you know, prayer, but it's really a way of serving people. And I want to encourage you, you know, reach out to someone and ask people what you can pray for them for and spend some time praying for that. And, and, it's, and it's a way of, yeah, interceding for someone is, is a little bit of laying your life down and, and putting them first and praying for them. It's, it's a way of serving one another. And God answers prayers, so it's so good to pray. Uh, a second way is in practical service. So seeing an opportunity where someone's maybe going through a tough time and, and taking them a meal or, uh, or, or, I mean, even using the spiritual gifts as being irrelevant but to encourage one another or, or building one another up or being generous to one another if you, if you see someone in need um, and helping each other. And then there's also just the church in general uh, that it also becomes practical and that's, you know, you can, you can get involved. Uh, get involved in the, in, the, in the sound or the AV, AV team or um, if you have a musical ability, come, come speak to us or uh, join Kidsmen or, or youth. Um, come get involved or even tithing is a way of serving the church. Then also how is this achieved? Well, in the, just the context of our passage, we have to say, well, actually, verse 1 to 3 gives us some very nice practical handles on humility and gentleness, patience and bearing with one another in love and maintaining unity. That's also things we're called to, to do. And again, in verse 15 as well, we talk about speaking the truth in love. And in fact, the whole rest of Ephesians talks about how we, how we practically build up the church. So in conclusion, there's one body, um, one body but one head, one head of this body, but there's many parts, many, many body parts, but they're all, they're all different in a sense. And God has given each of us a unique place in this body. And this body needs you to be you. You need to be who God called you to be. It doesn't help for a, for a foot to say they want to be a hand. We're like, we, we need you, Mr. Foot. Um, we need you to be, to be part of this. So God's given you a unique place, and we're actually lacking without you. Uh, we'll be hobbling along if you don't have that, have that Mr. Foot. Um, so if you're feeling undervalued or, or in church, like you are valued 
and we need you. We, 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 it's, it's, it's part of building up God's, bo- God's body and God's plan. And so as this one head, he's also the one who's over all things. And that's encouraging to us that, that our God is the victor uh, and who's our leader. So God's called you to serve and has given us gifts to help us do so. So I encourage you, get involved, um, and may God help us to serve and love one another. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for, for who you are, that you are our, our one our one Lord, our one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. Thank you for the grace that's been given to each one of us uh, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Thank you that you've given us teachers and apostles uh, to, to build us up. Have we not alone in serving God? But you're calling us to the work of ministry for building up your body and that is a grand, grand design and plan of yours. Father, I pray that we would know the depths of your love that we may become mature in Christ and know you ever more and ever deeper. We love you, God, and we thank you for your church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.